0: hey everybody tom and keith with you a tip of the cap to the dunlap champions club which allows us to bring front row knolls to you via the podcast commercial free each and every week
1: you know one of the things that's interesting is we've now got a a little bit of um, the season under the belt and people are familiar with the champions club uh, enjoying all the uh, club level amenities the food the soft drinks access to beer wine mixed drinks Uh, you got to check this place out if you hadn't had a tour. Make sure you call 850-583-9066, line one. You can set up a tour. You can also call that number to buy your tickets. Uh, but it's something you should educate
0: yourself about before you make the decision not to. Because I think once you get in there and look at it, you'll go, I want to. It's a, tr- it's a tremendous experience for sure. And you don't have to buy the, the full season. You can do a half season package, which uh, you can choose the Miami or Louisville games in any two of the other four games. Uh, So basically, you can spend three games in the Dunlap Champions Club. Test drive it, sample it, figure out if it's for you. We encourage you to do so, and we thank them for their support. Now, Front Row Knowles.
2: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith.
0: Good evening, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith back together. KJ was so tired of me last week after spending countless hours with me at the ACC kickoff that he just took time off. I just left. How are you, sir? I'm doing great.
1: Doing great. It feels kind of odd to be sitting side by side again. We usually through a telephone line or are single.
0: Well, and what we discovered is that when we do spend 30 consecutive hours together, whatever it was, that we really have nothing else to talk about after that. So, I mean, we could have taken a several week hiatus at least. Maybe it's maybe it's because it's the month of July. We have nothing to talk about because, as I look at the calendar, I mean, there's a few subjects we'll get into. Football is creeping closer, well, but but and, it is the dog days of summer.
1: And 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 we'll get into this more. And and, and we had an opportunity to call, talk to uh, uh, Coach Fisher about some mechanical, uh, off the field, esoteric things about. The college game, one of which is that 14 week schedule and backing it up a week, but but there are clubs that are in camp right now as we speak, and many more that are starting on monday july 31st that's when that's when fall camp uh kicks off for a number of programs. And of course, Florida State starts a little bit later. I don't know the exact date next week, but sometime next week. But
0: Our technically. Our insider, Tim Linnefeldt. Technically, it's question. in August. Technically well, in see, August. this is what happens. We sit down. We're not sure what we're going to talk about. One of us says something, and it will lead to this next discussion. And we will have uh, an interview with Jimbo Fisher later on. He did the car wash in Bristol yesterday. He continues uh, with that uh, car wash. We break out the chamois today, and we finish that up as he joins us on the show.
1: Does he go with wax or wax on,
0: wax well, off? Well, we'll discuss all that, you know, as we get into okay. the, the the important details with uh, with Jimbo. So the the 14, I'm in favor of the two-by-week schedule. And what, what it means to do that is that you've either got to back the season up a week or you get to start it a week earlier. And in the scenario where you started a week earlier – Nobody wants to start practice a week earlier. So here's my... Go ahead. I, I am just
1: going to remind you, i got one other complete p- compelling part about that.
0: Well, now that you just jumped in, would you like to make that sure. first? <laughs> Go ahead. You still get... The floor is
1: yours. You still get 29 practices, but you can't do two-a-days. So not only are you backing it up a potential week, you're backing it up another three or four or five or six days, how many ever days you went dual sessions previously. So what I wasn't unaware of when we were talking the Jimbo that I got a little bit educated about is it could back you up as much as two weeks to go to the 14-week schedule.
0: So here's two points about this. Point one, you can still have two-a-days, but one of them has to be a walkthrough, to which you will tell me it's... With a, no conditioning. It's, it's, that, so, that's, so that's, that's the most important thing to the players. <laughs> <laughs> but is that of any significance? Here's my point. Why do we need 29 practices? If everybody has the same amount of practices... Larry Fedora was in agreement with it. He even said we don't need 29. Make it 25. Make it 22. Make it as, 22. As long as it's equal for Alabama and FSU, what's the difference? Because you tell me the last coach you talked to that felt like his team didn't need more practice before the first game. Basketball, football, whatever. There was. Man, we could, we could use a couple more practices. But at some point, you got to play a game. Well, they would say that if you gave them 50 practices. that's what they, You could practice every day of the year, and they would still say, I'm not ready for Alabama yet.
1: Two things. Number one, the whole premise behind fall camp in 2 days was to get in shape because the kids typically, in the, in, in the bygone eras, and, and in my case, 40 years ago, you went home for the summer. And you're not nearly as disciplined at home as you are when you're on campus. Well, everybody's on campus now. They're doing seven-on-seven. Seven. Even the freshmen come in for summer school. Voluntary workouts yeah, it, through it, the dog know, days. Getting into camp, getting into, into shape isn't a thing. Number two, you also had to do it so everybody could learn the plays. Well, that goes on during the summer and the seven-on-sevens and all this type of stuff. So the learning curve is greatly reduced. So I think if you went to you know 25, as you said, or 22 practices in fall camp, backed it up a week, went to the 14-week schedule, so you've got the two bye weeks. You've already done away with the two-a-days. I don't think you'll see much of a fall off at all. That's way different, way different for our listeners that may be thinking, well, you know, the NFL did away with hitting, and now the NFL product is not as good. There's a big difference between hitting and just being on the field. You're still going to hit in college, and so therefore you're not going to have that fall off. I I don't think there's a a uh, uh, college uh, union out there that says you can only hit on certain days and not days, that type of thing. I know they've got some things in d- during right. the season, but it doesn't, it's not applicable during fall
0: camp other than hitting back to back days. So I, is, I'm not worried about any of those things. This is bad radio because you and I are on the same page on this. I mean, just, just pick a day, say August 1st, you can't practice before August 1st and, and set a, or quantify a number, but it's gotta be less than 29. And then you can back up and you can play the, the week, Prior to – you, right now you can't technically start until the Thursday before Labor Day weekend, except some teams play the previous Saturday if they have a game like out of the continental U.S. or against Hawaii and Australia or wherever. Right. So basically everybody could open on that Saturday. So and we've solved it. We've solved it. Well, yeah, again, I guess we're done. Folks, we do the show each and every Wednesday at <laughs> 6, and we'll talk to you next week on Front Row. No. Uh, we're in, I think that's – I haven't heard a lot of conjecture about it. That basically at the ACC kickoff, the coaches were not in favor of moving up the season – if everybody's got the same amount of practices, we've solved that problem. I, th- I think that would be accurate. Here's the thing that will solve your problems uh, if you have them uh, in terms of preparing dinner uh, and enjoying dinner on, say, a Sunday evening. You can go to uh, Centrale or Madison Social or Township. They've got – And it's soon to become in a bakery. This – yes, but that's not going to be in College Town, but that's coming as well. Free plug there. Hope Matt was listening. That's coming into Midtown. But basically over the summer uh, – and this is – well, it works either way, as I mentioned before. If you have kids, kids eat free. I think 6 to 10 on Sunday nights down there at the places we just mentioned. If you don't have kids, you can get a free app instead. So there's something in it for everybody.
1: Well, so let me get this straight. When you were doing television, you didn't worry about kids eat free. But now that you're doing radio, kids eat free is very, very important to the Block
0: financial household. Well, that is true. But I think it, the correlation is more to the fact that when I was doing TV, I didn't have kids. Oh my bad. And now that I'm doing radio, I do. <laughs> but if you drew out uh, you know, if you if you put a graph on a sheet of paper and mapped out where I was in the '90s and where I am now, you would clearly see the regression in my mediocre career. <laughs> Our Seminoles.com <laughs> insider Tim Linnefelt uh, is going to join us here momentarily. Some of the big, you know, really outside of the Florida State circle, the big stories going on in the last week. Did you read? The, the ncaa's re- response just that paragraph that made the rounds yesterday to north carolina when they set their inf- uh, infractions hearing date I, I saw that the date had been set what is that the
1: 16th or right. 17th and they're doing it in uh, knoxville tennessee i believe or nashville tennessee somewhere in tennessee but no educate me i did not see the paragraph
0: well so basically this has been going on for years and the ncaa says you messed up and north carolina says no we didn't and the ncaa says yes you did north carolina said well maybe we did but it's not the purview of the NCA to which the NCA has now said it absolutely a hundred percent is our business. And uh, I mean, that, that part is a, it's the NCA's business is a direct quote, but it was a nice paragraph that said when this is going on, when it's going on for 20 years, when coaches know what's going on, when this is happening. So the tenor of it was interesting in, in light of the fact that in a couple, now they won't get the results of it. They'll go, before, it'll be another six or eight or 10 weeks after August 16th. So maybe just in time for the start of basketball season, North Carolina will Yeehaw. roll out the balls on Friday, and on Thursday the NCA will deliver whatever the penalty is. One other thing about that that I
1: found I did find interesting is that uh, Roy Williams and Fedora and the women's basketball
0: coach, all three are required to attend. Uh, if I read, if I read that correctly, yeah. And I saw something that indicated that that was not necessarily out of the ordinary. I don't know if that's true or not. Of course,
1: uh, since the last time we got together, the, a vacancy
0: and an immediately field at Ole Miss. And that was the other big... Wow. That was the other... Th- so, and here's my question on that. You know, it's this This happens when you talk about Florida State folks, too. Pick pick the sport. Those that don't like Mike Martin or Leonard Hamilton. There's some that don't like Jimbo. We need to get so-and-so. And they always start with the... T- you know, like, let's get the... Let's get Nick Saban. You know, let's go get... John Calipari will come here to coach the basketball team. Let's get Tommy Lasorda in his prime. Well, you know, pick your... <laughs> and it's like you got to look at what's reasonable so same thing happens Hugh Freeze is out at Ole Miss and that list all of a sudden starts at well maybe it's going to be Lane Kiffin and maybe it's going to be Les Miles unless Miles is enough of an oddball it might be but my bigger point is is the Ole Miss job ever better than bottom certainly bottom half of the SEC West and Probably bottom two or three, isn't it? Well, I I don't I mean, no, know if no, 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 two or three, but certainly it's four or five. Maybe six. I mean it's always maybe six. It's always behind Alabama and LSU and Texas AM with their research. Just in just in their conference, just, just in their, their division. Just in their division. Yeah. So if you look and at certainly it, it's behind Tennessee, Florida,
1: Georgia. Georgia. So yeah, so we're at six. Really Yeah, easy. so it's middle pack SEC. Here's how you fix the old miss problem. Peyton Manning.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say don't call escorts from your university-issued phone. Well, that's the obvious. <laughs> Peyton Manning. You think Peyton Manning wants to uh, –
1: No, he doesn't want the job. But if we're going to throw names out there about people who are going to fix this whole thing, there is your best name.
0: I might as well throw out John Gruden too because his name is rumored forever. But he's not from Ole Miss. Well, neither is Peyton. It's But the other he's Mannings. connected to it. I mean, he's been there. I mean, why don't we get Archie and, and Eli can go right from the well, Giants to coach Peyton will go get Cutcliffe. Cutcliffe will come in and run the offense. Well, Cutcliffe is who they should still have. Cutcliffe is somebody that they, yeah. I mean, uh, if yeah. you look at what he's doing, that would, if they'd have just, I, and this is what's interesting because sometimes at Florida State, you know, people, they always want immediate top shelf results every year. And so at Florida State, even if you don't get that, there's been a lot of longevity. You can pick a sport. The coaches stay here because they like Florida State. It's a great program. There's support. It's a good place to work, all these things. But, uh, you know, obviously Ole Miss and the SEC, whatever the reason, I don't remember this, the circumstances that Cutcliffe moved on or whatever happened. There. Nor do I, because it's, it's been a while. Point being, had you had you invested in him a little bit more, things might yeah. be fine there. As we wrap up segment one, one. we lost a,
1: a – Unbelievably dear Seminole this past week in Kim Hammond. Played quarterback at Florida State in the 60s. Um, I've had occasion to rekindle a relationship with Ron Sellers. A lot of Kim's passes went to Ron Sellers along with Gary Paycheck, who we lost about three or four years ago. Right. I met Kim several times. Uh, I've known him for 35, 37 years whenever we first met when I was playing. Not close, not best buddies, uh, but uh, always admired him was probably, Tommy, was probably a greater person off the field than his greatness on the field. And all of our listeners won't remember, won't recall, but he beat Florida, led Florida State to that memorable tie with Alabama, uh, played well in, the uh, in I believe, the Gator Bowl uh, at the end of his season. And the, and the stat that on the field I did not know, was not aware of, that was most spectacular, you know, he finished fifth, in the Heisman Trophy voting his senior year. Uh, Went to law school, uh, played a couple of three years in the NFL. While he was in the NFL, went to law school, uh, went down to the east coast of uh, Florida, was a judge for 32 years, Judge Kim Hammond. Lost him last week at the age of 72.
0: A quality, quality human being and a great seminal. I'm, I'm glad you dropped that in because uh, you were not on the show last week and Tim and I didn't visit this. We didn't have the perspective that you just shared. And obviously he played before you. He played in the in the mid to late 60s. Uh, in the Peterson era correct which uh, you know and, and and we don't have time to do this now but when you reflect back about how progressive Florida State was offensively in the Bill Peterson era compared to what the landscape of college football looked like back then it's pretty remarkable so yeah certainly uh, condolences uh, to the family and friends of, of Kim Hammond our com insider Tim Linnefeld uh, is in the on-deck circle and ready to step into the box when we come back
2: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you and our good friend, and Seminoles.com Insider Tim Littlefelt will join us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, how are you?
3: I'm doing great, Tom. How about you?
0: I'm doing very well. You asked an important question before we came on the air here. You said, "Did the did the show get a name change? And I'm sure our astute listeners have picked that up. But we're in the soft phase. Yeah, we're, it's sort of a soft launch, and it's a subtle change. But, yes, it's now front row knolls n- instead of uh, the front row. Doesn't
1: quite roll off your tongue yet, does it, Tom?
0: It, it doesn't, and I didn't clear that with Tim, so I, I hesitate to even ask if he's okay with it because it is what it is now, Tim, so I really don't care if you don't and, like it. And,
1: Tim, you're still the, the Seminoles.com insider. You
0: don't get to change your name.
3: <laughs> well uh well since it's already done and dusted i guess i'll just keep my fingers to myself no no, no sounds kind of good to me whatever <laughs> yeah exactly
0: you're, we're still going to give you airtime. it's all going to be good for you you're still going to get the same compensation so everything's fair for you all
3: oh, good
0: what's going on on seminoles.com right now because keith and i uh fumbled through the first segment looking at the uh fact that it's july whatever the date is 112 degrees outside and not a florida state sport story to be had
3: well, you know, it's, uh, it's we're, we're sort of coming up on the end of the dog days right now. There's been a little bit going on up there. We started our fall camp preview because you know camp actually gets started in, in less than a week uh, now, and so that's that'll be a good thing. And, and you know, a few other sort of wrapping up the year type of things. Some uh, some postseason awards for uh, for some different sports, and also I had a chance to talk last week with Dwayne Bacon. He was in town for a couple days, and he gave me an update on uh, on how things have gone in Charlotte. And uh, what it's like to, to hang out and, and text with Michael Jordan, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, and uh, sort of you know how he's getting adjusted to NBA. Has he been life. on his uh-huh. plane yet? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't mention that. He said they text a lot. I was like, man. I, I was thinking. I almost asked him, and I, I didn't have the guts. I almost want to be like, will you show me Michael Jordan's like just you know contact list in your phone? Just you show me his number. I just want to see Michael Jordan in, in a phone. I think that'd be pretty cool. But maybe next time. Maybe next time. Do you advise
0: him not to play cards with Jordan? That would probably be a smart tip.
3: <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't. We'll see, man. Maybe maybe Dwayne's pretty sharp at cards. I don't know.
0: I saw on the website, yeah, who knows, I, I, and we talked a little bit about Dwayne last week. It's a good story to see that he got that guaranteed contract and all that. You've got a story up on uh, Brian angola Rodas right now, if I'm not mistaken. What's going on there?
3: Uh, that is actually, believe it or not, not mine, but I did read it, and we can still talk about it. It's just kind of talking about his uh, his journey from, uh, from Columbia to, to Tallahassee and, and uh, sort of his motivation behind it. I think like a lot of guys, you know, when you – move from a, a far away place to, to play college athletics uh in, in international a lot of guys are, are doing it uh for family back home and for, for people that they want to try to you know work their way up and provide a better life for we saw that you've seen, you've seen it a lot with the basketball team lately actually it was a theme we talked about with michael Ojo last year with some of his family back in uh, in nigeria and hoping he could help provide for them and and brian's kind of said the same thing about his mom and his sister in Colombia that he's hoping that you know through basketball he can you know kind of make a, a better life for himself and and in turn provide one for them so so kind of a cool thing i don't know if you're just had a chance to talk to brian he was pretty quiet for much of his first year but i suspect we'll hear a lot more from him uh this fall because i you know i think there's a chance that he could be well you, know, for Florida State, you probably want him to be a, a pretty significant piece of, of what you're trying to do and, and potentially your leading scorer if, if he takes another step in his development so uh It'll be fun to watch him develop. He's a really interesting personality. He has a cool accent and uh, I think kind of a guy that the Florida State fans really like.
1: Well, he's a guy that averaged nearly 30 points a ball game. I mean, I know it was the junior college or whatever level it was, but anytime in any league you can average nearly 30. You can be a score. Uh, speaking of the giving back, a um, number of the national media sites uh, had uh, Demarcus Walker in, uh, in the house and the car that he got his mom here in the last week or two. Did you uh, pick up on any of those?
3: uh no i I knew he said he was planning on it you know it it was funny when he was toward the end of his career here and i think maybe at pro day somebody asked him kind of what the first thing he wanted to do and he he said uh often that he wanted to take care of his mom i think that was a uh you know a segment on the showtime show as well uh knowing that he uh you know he he kind of valued what she did so you know that's a cool thing to do it's uh you know definitely doesn't surprise me to mark that kind of guy he was always very proud of of where he came from and, and his upbringing and he saw that when the the hurricane hit Jacksonville, he was over there helping out doing that sort of thing. so uh you know good on him, good to see guys making uh good decisions once they get a life changing amount of money right that
1: that well we talk about the fact life changing money and that then uh for many of them, you're exactly right. sometimes that change in life isn't positive uh don't know yet with Demarcus,
0: although I would be willing to bet that uh, his will continue to be on an upward track. Demarcus, by the way, Keith, you won't know this because you're not on Twitter, but Demarcus on social media indicated this past weekend he was in town and, and paid a visit to uh, one of our uh, staunch supporters in Madison Social. So he didn't immediately he knows where thought, his bread's butter. He didn't follow that by saying he heard about it on Front Row Knowles, but nevertheless he he was there. Hey Tim, you know, thinking about what you just said about when he was over in Jacksonville last year, the part of the reason we know about that story is because it was featured. On the Showtime uh, show last season, and you know that that came and went, and it was an army that was here producing it, and I don't know that anybody would ever fully admit it, but looking back, do you think that was a distraction for last year's team?
3: You know, maybe I don't know. I do. I, I was it a distraction? I guess it could be, just in the fact that it was noticeable. You, you, you said you and I noticed it. The players definitely noticed it. Did it impact anything on the field, which I think is the real question? And I kind of think it probably didn't, right? I mean, uh, at least I think when you think about what went wrong in the games that went wrong, I don't know how many of those those things could be attributed to having Showtime cameras there. You know what I mean? I I think Lebron James has a lot more to do with that. Yeah, I
0: think you are right. So let me, and and it's not that this offer has come along, and I don't even know who they're featuring uh, this year in a season with, but you know, five years from now. Or however many years from now, would Jimbo say yes to that kind of offer again, whether it's Showtime or somebody else?
3: I probably wouldn't think so. And and you know what else is, is really telling to me uh, about it is you know we're uh, college football programs across the country are opening up camp in the next week or two. Just about everybody. Uh, is there going to be another season of the show? Is, is it has it been announced? I don't think I don't know I've not it I've not heard. Of I it think way. there's
0: a, I think there's a show. I just haven't heard who they're featuring. Well, and, I'll Google this
1: while kind you're kind talking. You something right?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: So yeah, while while Tom
0: Googles, I have well, a
1: question we don't, we don't for you. We've kind
3: of heard some rumors about where they were going to go, but as far as I know, they haven't announced that they're going anywhere yet. And certainly at this point last year, it was well known that, that they were coming to Florida State for at least a few weeks. So it kind of says to me, you know, maybe that maybe we're wondering, maybe we're struggling, and it makes you wonder, and this is just speculation on my part, but it makes you wonder if the two previous coaches to have been featured on the show, Jimbo and, and Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, Makes you wonder if, if, if their reviews uh to other coaches who have been approached about it maybe aren't as, as uh as solid as you might think.
0: Well it's not a high profile program, but they should just follow Lane Kiffin and FAU around. That's where I would go. I mean that'd be you could just have Lane Cam for twenty four seven and you've got your show right there. Plus the DeAndre uh Johnson angle is there now that he's in there. I haven't found an answer yet, by the way. I've only found the first two. So yeah, maybe maybe you're right. I have a question. May I go? Go.
1: In your conversations, hallway conversations, uh, Lane up in uh, Charlotte, uh, you know the Lane. Are we calling him Lane now? Is he Lane Hurt or Lane Kiffin? I, you said Lane Kiffin. It stuck in my mind. Sorry, Tim. That's okay. <laughs> Ralph, Sam, George. I'm sure you've been called worse by better people. I know that. <laughs> in the hallway conversations, Tim in Charlotte. The only black thing that came out of ACC kickoff was the overhang of the uh, North Carolina investigation, and it involved football. And of course, Louisville investigation involved basketball. Doesn't directly relate to football. Now that the the date is out there for the Carolina uh, hearing, uh, was was there much backroom talk? I didn't hear anything from anybody in Charlotte about those yeah. two investigations.
3: No, I didn't hear anything about that at all, really. And it was funny you mentioned that because once I saw the the news come down about the the Carolina NCAA stuff, I, you almost were sort of like, "Oh yeah, that's that's actually happening." And it's it's kind of you know crazy because the the case itself that it's in reference to is so old at this point, uh, and it had been so long since you heard anything about it that uh, you, I think most people, certainly you know those of us who aren't around that program on a daily basis on a regular basis, you sort of got a reminder. Um, that it was happening, so uh, you know, well, I guess we'll see what goes on there. Um, but no, I didn't hear anything about it at all. For me, you know, the, the takeaway from ACC kickoff was just, you know, everybody. I mean, it was it was like a celebration, you know, like a, yep. like a yep. Woodstock for ACC football, and there are plenty of reasons to celebrate. But uh, but no, there wasn't a whole lot uh, that people were unhappy about. And, and, and yeah, for the, the UNC stuff that come out right after, it's like, oh yeah, you you almost forgot about that.
0: All right, let's bring it back to football on the field because uh, a week from now we'll actually have on the field stuff to talk about. You mentioned that you've got your uh, series up on Seminoles.com. I know you're looking at quarterbacks right now, and I think everybody's of the opinion that uh, as long as DeAndre Francois is healthy, then we feel pretty good about quarterback. But should he not be healthy, uh, can you allay my concerns right now, Tim?
3: <laughs> yeah, well, like you said, I feel pretty confident DeAndre Francois is going to be the uh, the starting quarterback this fall. That's that's a joke. He, I think he's going to be. <laughs> but uh, but no, well, it's hard to say. You know, look, it's you know as we kind of mentioned in there, it's uh, you've got DeAndre who, who, like you said, as long as he's healthy, I think you're pretty solid. Uh, JJ Cosentino, who you know he, he's in his fourth year in the program. He's been working with Jimbo for a long time, knows the offense, knows the system, and, and I know that a lot of people are sort of looking at some of the freshmen and, and kind of wondering if, if they can challenge for that number two spot, but you know, my opinion, and going back on on Jimbo Fisher's track record and how much he likes experience, especially at the quarterback position, uh, to me, uh, it seems pretty obvious that, that J.J. is going to be pretty solidly the number two. Uh, if there were a situation, I think we talked about this earlier this summer, where DeAndre were hurt for an extended period of time, which you obviously don't want but if, if that were to come then maybe they might evaluate something to where you, you know figure out who the best long-term solution is but anything you know the, the first guy off the bench I think is going to be JJ and I'll be really surprised uh, if, um, if if that were to change now you know I think look you know the the I guess the elephant in the room is that, is that you know JJ hasn't had a lot of opportunities and the ones you remember uh, probably ones that he would probably like to forget but you know kind of like I said Fourth year in the system. You haven't got to see him a lot. I, I do think we need to allow for the idea that, you know, players continue to practice and they can continue to get better, and, and, and maybe he's been able to do that. So I don't know that I'm quite as nervous uh, about the backup quarterback as a lot of people, mainly because, one, I, I think maybe he's had a chance to improve. And two, I don't, know, I don't know, man, how many schools out there feel really good about their backup quarterbacks? How many football teams in general, look like in the NFL, feel great about their backup quarterbacks? It's just kind of one of those things that, you know, I think everybody kind of wonders what happens if their starter goes down.
1: What what happens to the offensive front? What are we going to see against Alabama?
3: Well, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, something pretty good. Um, I think we as you said before. I'll be really surprised if it's not Alec Everly at center. I mean, the guy started nineteen straight games. If you look at him, if you saw him at Lift for Life, he looks, uh, you know, as big and strong as certainly as I've ever seen him. Uh, and and kind of go from there. You know, the question to me is: if Landon Dickerson is ready to go. He was pretty solidly entrenched uh, at that right guard spot, and I think that they'd like to give it back to him. It just depends on whether or not he's been able to, to fully recover from his knee surgery. I suspect he probably, if he's not ready for that Alabama game, I think it'll he'll, he'll probably be pretty close. But you certainly would like to have him. Uh, and then you know, probably going to kind of go from there. Uh, Cole Minshew, if he's ready to go, and then I suspect we'll probably see Rick Leonard at right tackle. To me, really, the only for for as many questions, as supposedly there are about the uh, the offensive line. Uh, the only question to me is really at that, that left tackle spot. I think that's where you could have a new guy, either Josh Ball or Jawan Williams. Uh, and then there's also maybe a chance that they move Rick Leonard over there. But you know, it feels like this way every year with, with you know this time of year, a month or so out from the season, say, what's going to go on with the offensive line? And, and you know, usually the answer at this point is, eh, we kind of don't know. And I'm not sure that Rick Trickett knows for sure at this point. Now you kind of you know try some different combinations and see what you like best, and hopefully have something uh you know by that last week of august or so so i think they got a lot of options i mean there's, there's so many scholarship linemen uh, over there it's just a matter of finding the right combination
0: hey tim we're gonna have uh well i haven't talked to him yet but we're we'll, we're likely to have maybe jason dennard on next week because it'll be uh just before fan day and all that or, do you know is word out yet are they going to have an open practice again like they've done for several years the the, the evening after fan day
3: I haven't heard uh, about that yet, but if memory serves, and it might not, but if memory serves, they've done that uh, every single year uh, since Jimbo's been the head coach dating back to 2010, had that open practice after Fan Day. So I would suspect that they'll probably do it again.
0: Fan Day is August 6th, by the way, folks. Which is
3: coming awfully soon, by the way.
0: Yeah, that's, that's why I looked at the calendar. That's why I said we probably need to talk about that a little bit in some of this, but not just that, but, uh, you know, the, the new stadium video board that, uh, looks pretty good in there. Although some would say, suggest they don't like which, the way it looks. Which from the side, outside. which yeah. side of the board are you talking about? Yes, exactly. Tim has no, he has, he's completely neutral on that. Understand. Uh, Tim, anything else we need to, uh, discuss?
3: Uh, you know, I think this is kind of the uh the, the the calm before the storm. This time next week, camp will have started and we'll have plenty to talk about. Exactly.
0: Then we can we can overreact to things, you know, we hear about the third team right guard and things like that. How come seventeen people are in green jerseys on the second day of practice? Exactly.
3: Hey, where's the fun if you can't overreact to that kind of stuff, right?
0: That's that's what we do. Tim, good stuff. Talk you to gotta, you next gotta, week. Thank you. See you, Tim. Bye. Our Seminoles.com insider. Otherwise Tim. known as Lane. Yeah, yeah, well, I thought you summed that up nicely. You've been you've been called worse by better people. By better people. <laughs> Our conversation with Jimbo Fisher uh comes up right after the break as the car wash continues for Jimbo. Stay with us. <laughs>
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on the front row, Tom and Keith with you, and uh, Coach Fisher will spend a few minutes with
0: us. Coach, how you doing?
4: Good. How you guys doing?
0: Good. The uh, We're winding
4: the... down. This is the last one. I'm happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Save the best for last. We exactly. appreciate it. You know, obviously, uh, you've, you've probably answered four million questions about FSU, Alabama already, and, I, and I'm, I'm curious. Keith and I were talking about this. Obviously, everybody knows your relationship with Nick and that you coach there. Uh, how did you get to know Nick, though? Because you hadn't coached together prior to when he hired you at LSU, to my knowledge. So I'm curious. Never, I'd never met him. Yeah, so t- 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 walk us through that story of how you guys got we together.
4: I was at the University of Cincinnati, and that year came out, and uh, uh, he called, he called me and asked me, you know. Uh, if I'd be interested in a job. And he hadn't hired anybody to staff. And I actually flew to East Lansing. He was still living in, up in Michigan. And I flew to his house up there and did about a two, two-and-a-half-hour interview. Three, and, and he just said, okay. And, he, and we were done. We walked in the room. He said, do you want to be the offense coordinator? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he offered me the job on, you know, before I left the house.
0: Did, did you ever figure it out? I mean, who uh, put a word in for you? No, I, you
4: know, I guess, I guess he had said he had talked to Jimmy – Sexton was his agent. And Jimmy talked to guys in the South, and I'd been at Auburn, who were good, anybody could recruit good young coaches, good offensive guys that were offensively this, that, and the other. And he got good recommendations. And, see, we played that year when I was at Cincinnati. The year, it's nine months I lived there. Uh, we played Wisconsin, who won the Rose Bowl that year, and Ron Dane won the Heisman. We were a 31-point underdog, and we beat them. We moved them. They had a really good defense. We moved the ball up. And then we went to Ohio State the next weekend, and had 560, 70 yards on the high state in The big had him down 17 nothing, and end up almost really won the game. I told him, I tell the story all the time. We ran a little crossing route late to either tie, go ahead. I can't remember. What it was like it was five minutes, four minutes to go, and we hit it and scored. And they called an illegal pick on our slot guy for picking. He wasn't picking. He couldn't get off the ball. The guy was jamming him so good he couldn't get off the ball, and they called an illegal pick and called it back. He wasn't going to let us beat Wisconsin in the high state back to back. So anyway, but 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 he had saw film. You know we yeah. had success offensively. You know what I mean? And and he had gotten the recommendations from people, and you know he knew we were from West Virginia. I don't know if that mattered to him, but then you know, he called me and we interviewed and hired me. And now we know the
3: story. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
4: I, I've told this story to our listeners. I don't think you
1: and I have talked about this, but I think it was your first year. As head coach, fifth, sixth, seventh ball game at home, uh, we got down, we came back and won a ball game. And I'm listening to your press conference as I'm leaving on the radio, and you referenced
4: Florida State, Cincinnati, in a game that I played in. The one he chased the guy down and stripped the ball from behind him, covered the fumble. And how do you remember this stuff? I remember, I remember uh, Coach Bowden saying that game when you don't know who can make a difference in a season. When you told play, we talked to players. What play can make a difference in the season? You know, and, you, and it was Coach Bowden, I remember him referencing that in a talk that he gave. And then Terry referenced, it was funny, in 1993, the year we went undefeated at Auburn. We were on probation the first year we went there, Florida State won the national championship. We're playing in a game against Southern Miss in the fourth game of the year. Farvin and had just left, but they still had really good players. Southern Miss, you know, is one, you know always, you hated to play them. And they were all fast. And they all they had a bunch of Alabama kids, and from we were over there, and they always wanted to play against you. So anyway, we're playing in a game. We're losing the game. They, we went ahead, and they come back, and they're beating us in the fourth quarter. And we handed us a simple belly playoff from about our own 20. And our guy named Reed McMillan breaks it. Well, of course, eventually the fullback's going to get caught. Well, in the meantime, Steve Davis, who was our backup tailback that year, but Bostic was a starter, he carries out just a pitch fake. 0-46, R-46, L, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And he fakes the pitch around the end. Well, the fullback hit up the middle, and when he did, he carried the fake out. The safety went out, which allowed it to split. Well, then the safety turned to catch him. Well, Steven chased the ball. I'll never forget this. He's running because we always thought you chase the ball no matter what. It's like on defense, on offense. And, of course, two of them come by and stripped it. And when it hit the ground, Stephen dove on it on about the 15-yard line. We recovered, went in, scored, won the game. And I always reference that, And he, like we said. And then we referenced it again. You don't know what play changes the season. That play, just for chasing the fumble, chasing the guy who's going for a touchdown, changed that game. And I remember Coach Bowden said so that was your undefeated. I mean, he said you don't know what play ever changes it, and it always stuck in my head. Yeah. All right. Talk about change. That was a long way. That's
1: all right. <laughs> but, but, uh, now, talk about change. Uh, and you know me; I always ask you these series of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're now the commissioner of football mm-hmm. for college. Mm-hmm. You get to make decisions. Don't need to give me a big explanation. You can if you want to. I got a series of questions to map out what you would do to change college football. Okay. All right. First
4: one: early signing period. Good idea. Bad idea. Right time. Good idea, and we we'll do it at the end of summer. Okay. 14 week schedule. Only if you moved it forward and not backward, where you guys have to recruit, keep reporting in early July. I don't like reporting back farther in July. They want to go. Graduate transfers restrictions? No restrictions. If they graduate, they ought to be be able to go where they want to go. Red shirt. Five to play five, change what we've got. I okay. like five to play five. Because your great players are going to be going anyway, and a guy, if he redshirted him, what's the difference? Maximum scholarships, you're at 85. Does that need to grow and to what? If this season any playoffs and all need to grow, I think you at least go to 95 to 100. Okay. Size of staff, Do NCAA have any business telling you how many people off the field? I don't think so. How can they tell a corporation how how, how much it wants to grow and you find out your importance of the program? Eighteen playoff, four against. It's happening Probably four in the back end of it. Spring game schedule two years. Let's play
1: Georgia in the spring game. Let's play Oregon in the spring game. We'll go to their place one year. They come to ours one year. Don't like it. Don't like it. I would do. A, I would. I would rather stay within.
4: Okay. Bigger, longer, dead period in the summer where you guys can catch your breath. Something's got to happen because with these June now, April, May, and June official visits, and then you're reporting in July. Somewhere family time and staff's got to matter. Agreed. Super conference, four at 16, or just keep it the way it is? I think it's eventually going to happen. And my problem with super conferences right now, but how the interconference schedule happens, you don't really know the true champion. That's the only bad thing about big, big conferences, which I'm, I'm you know, I think bugs me. Well, and, and for our listeners that don't understand what you're saying, that's
1: where you only play a team once every six years, once every eight years, because there's so many teams in the and conference. How that
4: rotation, there may be three great teams on one side, and, and how you play it now is so different than it used to be.
1: was on my list, but you reminded me of it. Realignment within the ACC—any need for that in your mind?
4: I mean, you say, as soon as you realign, realigned, then something else. I, I think it's six one way, half dozen the other. I think because it could flip right back.
0: Does that cover the laundry list there? No. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you're talking about you never know uh, which play will turn a game, turn a season. But you do have an idea which players might make the play to, to turn a game or turn a season. And, and one of them has been up here, and that's Derwin James. Uh, you know, he just shared the story, and Charles Kelly shared it, too, that if you rolled out a ball at Walmart in the parking lot at 2 in the morning, he'd be the first guy there and the last one to leave. What is it that you love about Derwin?
4: That, I mean, that he truly loves to play. I mean, and to me, at the end of the day, we get caught up now, there's so many distractions for players. There's so much clutter, so many opportunities. People were, the money's great, this is great, people trying to... They always forget what they that they were kids in the backyard dreaming of playing college football and doing something. You know what I mean? And he... I can say if the ball rolls out. If he was dressed, I always say this. I used to get in trouble for this as a kid. You go to the park with your girlfriend, and you walk by, and you tell, oh, "We're going to have a day together." Somebody's playing basketball, Within five minutes, I'd be in the middle of the game. She'd leave, and I'd be, I'd be broke up, not have a girlfriend no more because <laughs> I couldn't stop playing. Derwin's that guy. I mean, he loves yeah. to play all the time. You know what I'm saying? And I think that there's a genuine just
0: competitiveness about him. Do you worry about the hype that's out there around him?
4: In, in, in this respect. I think he can handle it, and I think he'll deal with it. But what I told him is, you haven't played in a year. Don't go out and try to do everything. Just play the game, what's in front of you, and and do it. Now, that's what I was happy about in the spring. He did in the spring game, and he did it all spring. He didn't try to be – a couple times he did early, and I talked to him about it, and then he went back to doing it. I hope the hype – that that's what I – he wants to do so good, so bad, that he tries too hard a little bit
0: bringing it back to this first game uh, obviously Nick is is one of your, maybe your best friend in coaching I don't know but is it is it hard when you go against friends like that heck no I know how he used to do
4: to me in practice and I used to know how I do to him no no it was I mean it, you have respect it is hard when you go against people but at the same time they're ultimate competitors, and you are too. You got to line up and put that aside. And like I tell
0: them, if I was playing my brother, or my mother,
4: <laughs> we're keeping score. We're going to play.
0: <laughs> this is the first time you've played in this game in Atlanta, but uh, you know you had a high-profile game against Ole Miss last year. You got uh, Went to Dallas
4: a couple years ago. Yeah, you got another
0: one against West Virginia coming up. I mean, is that a game, a, a neutral-site game like that? Ideally, you'd like to have them on the schedule every other year, every year. I mean, once I think
4: a, for us, we got to be. I think it is. I love them, but at the same time, we got to be careful because Florida is a non-conference game to us. Everybody says well Alabama does it but what's their other three games and your your ultimate goal is to get in the playoff in the national championship right and you know when you go play two of those you're really you you limit yourself I mean you can win it now I'm not saying but if you don't then you got to be perfect and you're and listen I think right now the ACC is the best league in ball we don't I think maybe in the few in the past you had to do it to strengthen your schedule I don't think there's a better conference in football right now and our schedule's as good as anybody's out there. So I think we got to be very smart and intelligent about how we do that.
1: One of the things that impressed me, Jimbo, and this is my personal opinion, is when you first came on board as the head coach, I didn't hear you talk about wanting to play these early games against big opponents. And I always interpreted that as you
4: understanding that we weren't ready to do that. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it is. It was. And then people kept asking me about Alabama. We'll get you Nick. I said, wait a minute. All right, that's good. Let's find out when we can. But let me, let me make sure... We're ready to play that game. They were already established. You know what I'm saying? Just saying you want to go play, it's great. But we've got to get our program to a certain level. And I think there's certain years you can play them and certain years you can't play them because of how the schedule falls and also uh, your ability of what team you have coming back, other things. And I think you've got to be very strategic in how you do it. It's not saying you don't want to play people, but at the same time, what's my ultimate goal? At the end of the day, I want to be in the playoff. and I want. And our league right now is the best league in ball. So it's not like we're not playing anybody. Uh, you and we a, have Florida non-conference. Now you get asked this a lot. I just haven't asked you to play calling. Mm-hmm.
1: I know. I know Randy would take over some series last year,
4: or you turned some. So he did over a couple years ago. Last year we didn't. Did we, not. We did a couple games a couple years ago. Okay. What are your thoughts on that? Have you given any? I, I tr- I'm, I'm going to always do it,
0: at least for now. I'm always going to do it. Understood. Off uh, off football topic, real quick, Jim. What? You vacation this summer do you get away do you, i mean how do you decompress from the grind you're talking about well, yeah. you go to another continent you get as far away as well, you
4: can I, I, went to west, I took Ethan on a bear hunt in idaho he killed a big black bear with his crossbow and yeah. it was huge we had a great time spent a week out there with him and then we went to west virginia a little bit then i took uh for a couple and then I took my mom my nieces nephews and my, my, and my family we all went to uh went to bahamas about four days Relax a little bit. Now it's time to go. It is it is go
0: time. Yeah, that means you get to see us a, a lot more. Coach, best of luck this year. Thank you. All right, Coach Jimbo Fisher, as uh, he gets set to kick things off here in 2017, Keith and I will react to his comments when we come back on the front row.
2: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. Appreciate Jimbo Fisher spending a few minutes with us. Hard to believe, Keith, that we're in the 2017 now. What's say, seventh, but,
1: his seventh year as a head coach and what, 10th year in Tallahassee? I mean,
0: it's been a decade. Well, hopefully. he got here for 2007. So, yeah, it's been a few years. Wow. And it's actually eighth year as head coach. Okay. Right? Count them up. Let me take my shoes off. 10, 11, 12, 13. 14, fifteen 16 17 see that was easy we didn't have the media guide in front of us though the media guide is available on seminoles.com subtle plug what stood out to you about that uh, conversation well, he, he was, well, first of he all was relaxed when we saw him in Charlotte did a good job on ESPN uh, yesterday
1: and, and I think
0: I'm all you know
1: what they say you got sometimes you got to toot your own horn or it don't get tooted is that how you say that <laughs> But obviously, Jimbo, very, very comfortable with you because of, uh, you know, you interview him uh, literally twice every game, uh, sometimes in very stressful situations. And you co- you uh, host his, his television show where uh, you, you get the benefit and or the uh, downside of in-between take conversations that I know that you have with him. I think he That's very not, much respects your, you, your you know confidentiality.
0: What? and there's not a downside uh the the sense would be from the outside that if it was a tough loss or a loss period that it would not be a pleasant time to sit down next to him but he's after and Jeff Cameron would tell you this too he's actually better after losses I, I think losses for coaches not just Jimbo they're sort of a truth serum sometimes when you're winning you know you're getting away with something but you're not going to talk about it you're going to keep going and That's then you, and then you true. get exposed and all of a sudden you go yeah, we got to make some changes. we got to move this player here, we got to move this player there, and it took what happened the day before. So anyway, point being. But before I threw in
1: that dumb part of the comment, maybe we'll bring it back to a smart part, that being uh, the things that Jimbo said last segment. I, first of all, I think I did a very poor job in my question to him about thing that the thing that you and I've talked about relative to the spring game. I think lobbied for is the better term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did a very poor job of setting that up and I think candidly Jimbo was called a little bit off guard because I don't think the coaches have been hit with that concept very much. I think he thought it would be a game and be like a regular game and you know, he just kinda of brushed it off because, because what coaches want in those fifteen days of spring is the ability to evaluate players. And our point in lobbying for another opponent is simply to make it uh, where instead of 20,000 people show up for a spring game, seventy-five or 80,000 people will show up for a spring game. Coaches don't necessarily, I think, care about the attendance, although they'd love to have them there. They want to make sure they get 15 good shots at evaluation. And uh, I think I did a poor job of setting up that I'm question. still in
0: favor. Obviously, my opinion hasn't changed on that. But from Jimbo's point of view – there's there's player safety concerns. And there's also the pressure that goes with coaches. And the spring game is the one game a year where he doesn't have to worry about the pressure of whether he won or lost. And so now you add that to the mix. Well, and that's maybe, true. Maybe, maybe, but but maybe. the pressure
1: for injury is half because you only have half your team out there at a time. If you're going against each other.
0: I'll let you explain that to him. No, maybe it's not a game. Maybe it's a controlled scrimmage like you see in NFL exactly. training camp. Exactly. You know, and team, that's team that, A and team B are getting together, and you're saying, "Okay, let's." And that's the part
1: I probably should have yeah. phrased it or begun it begun begun or began it with, and uh, and talking with him. But uh, you know, I think everything else from the uh, you know I'm now king of college football. I think we're all in agreement. with. we talked in the first segment about the 14. A week schedule and that if you're going to do it, you got to load it on the front end as opposed to the back end. Uh, I, I think the the whole issue of scholarship limitations uh, has to be revisited. And I'll remind our listeners that when when I signed with Florida State forty years ago, this year nineteen seventy seven,
0: happy anniversary. Yeah, uh,
1: you could have one hundred and five on scholarship, and then that got whittled down to ninety five, and now it's down to its present eighty five. We could spend the whole show talking about the fact that that scholarship limitation probably is the biggest thing that led to parity. Because those 20 kids that Florida State and and Florida and Miami didn't get are the kids that are now going to, um, you know, UCF, USF, USF or whomever. And I think that's raised the level for everyone. But I think now that you're playing a 12-game schedule, remember we played 11 games when I played, there was no championship game. It was just a bowl game. Now you have a championship game. And if you happen to be one of the four, and Jimbo thinks inevitably will be eight that get into the playoff, you know, that's two more games potentially, blah, blah, blah. I think it's time to revisit that scholarship limitation and increase it to 90 or, or maybe 95.
0: Yeah, and I think that'll come. The good news is they have been. Uh, given the students to say, the student athletes to say, and they've been they've been talking about these things. Uh, you know, one of the other things that has not come up in legislation, I don't think, uh, involves these overseas trips that uh, Jim Harbaugh took last year with Michigan, and now he's on record from this week uh, or at the Big Ten. I think they're going to uh, uh,
1: Paris, Paris and, and, Normandy.
0: and Normandy, which will be incredibly educational. I've been to both those places. Well, I mean, if you, if you don't have a, if you have any interest, isn't the right word, but. World War II history appreciation and we all should for. appreciation for and what people did. Uh and and or if you don't, just go stand in the American cemetery at at Normandy. We're completely sidetracked here and you will. Uh, but point being, I thought there would be some legislation proposed that limited those trips to once every four years, like every other sport does. But so far, I mean, Harbaugh is just going to keep doing it as long as Michigan's got donors writing checks until somebody tells them no.
1: And, and while I was originally against it, because I was basically against any and everything Harbaugh was doing because it was so radical. Um, I've kind of, because you're a curmudgeon, I guess I'm kind (laughs) of warmed up to that. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, I like the concept of the overseas trips. I didn't like the concept of him taking his team down to Florida where right. Florida juniors and seniors in high school could come. And I thought that was a little bit of a – not a recruiting advantage, but it was outside the good old boy, we don't do it that way thing. But taking the kids overseas and taking them to places that they are not likely to have ever been and candidly, except for those that sign in the NFL, aren't likely to have the financial means to go – um, I've kind of warmed up to that idea. I don't know where uh, you know Florida State should go. I'm not recommending Sop Choppy or Panacea,
0: but uh, you
1: know, I think somewhere uh, would be good. That you know, I, I, I just I'd want, like to be
0: invited along. Let's put it that way. I just want FSU Notre Dame to play that game in Ireland that they play every couple of years. That, that, I, I don't have a,
1: I would have an affinity to
0: that one as well. You know why they haven't? No there's no revenue associated with that game, as I understand it. Because there's not a, bowl, not a TV sponsor? You might you get your travel costs paid for, but there's not a $3, $4, $5 million check that you're collecting like when you go play Alabama, so you're not going to give up a home game to do that. Uh, uh, and rightfully so. So if we get a $10 million sponsor that wants to put Notre Dame in, let's work on that and see if we make that game. By the ahead. way, uh, FSU Alabama game, if you hadn't heard, the roof will be
1: closed, correct? Correct.
0: Correct. Uh, and apparently the Chick-fil-A folks had said that previously, uh i hadn't paid attention to it so i saw the news that the roof has to be closed because it ain't completely operational yet for the falcons uh, and drew that conclusion as well but that's fine because it's it's called hotlanta for a reason and september 2nd probably be pretty steamy in there have so, they tested the air conditioning system oh well, i hope so <laughs> I, I hope that that is good to go hey you're you're talking about scholarship limits and you know players getting injured and that sort of thing and you're a former punt returner and i want to i want to pick your brain about florida state's plans for a guy who got injured last year but who could use the versatility and the promotion that would come with being a punt returner in addition to his normal duties. I think you know who I'm talking about.
1: Well, obviously using Derwin back there, I guess, is where you're headed.
0: Yes. Well, 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 the good good news about that is if he's any good, nobody touches him. Well, there is that. Hey, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. Question.
1: Yes. How many times did Dion or um Buckley? Buckley take Will it, a take a hard hit as a punt returner. It's not like kickoff returns. Now, well this it can it can happen. This is
0: the crux of the question I want it to ask you. It can happen. Now just to set up for our listeners the expertise you bring to this conversation we'll have on the back end here. Your career long punt return was how long? Twelve. 12 yards. Keith Jones will share that expertise as it relates to Derwin James and the punt returners at Florida State when we come back on Front Row Knowles. We don't
2: need no education. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: A few more minutes, and we'll get to this Derwin James topic as as we finish up. KJ, uh, you wanted to rebut my comment there. As a punt returner,
1: you control whether you even allow yourself to be hit because you can always fair catch. And and I don't mean to to belittle or lighten that, but you put Derwin back there. As long as he catches the ball, as long as the ball does not hit the ground, that's the number one objective. So he can fair catch every one of them if he chooses to. But if once a game – you know, somebody's late getting down. A runner's late. A gunner's late, or he's held up. And, and Derwin can see the field and know that he's got a chance to field the ball cleanly and get started. I like putting him back there. If, if the gunners are down there, if they've got good protection, if it's a short punt, fair catch it.
0: The the objective is not to let the ball hit the ground. So I, so there's a control. I had some dialogue on, on Twitter about this, and and somebody's reaction, I think it may have been a high school coach, was that it's too easy to cheap shot somebody on a punt return. In other words, it would be worth it for the other team to just say, basically like you do in hockey, you get a goon, run them out there, run them into Derwin. That, that's why he's coaching in high school. I thought you'd say similar. So let me ask you this, on the – is there merit to having a guy that's basically your defensive captain back there when you've got a fake punt situation, somebody that can account for what's going on in addition to just catching the punt? The, the, all those
1: intangibles are, are you know, e- even if he doesn't return punts, I like Derwin being, you know, lined up five yards behind the center, just watching what's going on and not expecting him to make any blocks even if the ball gets away. Yeah, there's there's intangibles there.
0: Let's go back to your career-long return of 12 yards. That was against who? Miami. Against Miami. Here, there? There. So you were in the hostile Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. Did you look over to the sideline? I don't. Right beneath don't remember the big it. sign that says "I don't the, remember it. The city of Miami welcomes you. to I don't remember it. I just want to know if you were like Dion and you looked over and you pointed and said, "It's going back across the thirty-yard line." I'm or, telling you, I don't remember. I was concussed <laughs> at the time. The, I'm not, I'm not okay. kidding you. No, I know you're not. We've and and I was trying to get my joke in, but I'll let you tell your story because this is not a joke. This is matter. not a joke. We we had uh,
1: scored and we kicked off, and I was L two. Bobby Butler was L1. I was L2. Bobby had uh, to go down and then cut back for for backup. I'm L2. I'm pressing. We bloop kick. Bill Capice was the first guy I know of in the college game to bloop kick, bring the ball down about the 10-yard line. There was no such thing as a fair catch then on kickoffs. They had a big tight end. He fielded it and fielded the ball. I lit him up. He held on to it. I don't remember anything after that until I woke up in the middle of the third quarter, and Randy Orvitz, who was a graduate assistant at the time, was in the locker room with me, the visitor locker room in the Orange Bowl with me, and the, the team had already gone back out. I played three plays. We went three and out. I went back, fielded a punt, returned at 12 yards. I have no recollection of any of it. And to show you how things were different, when Randy and I came back out of the tunnel, it was about eight minutes left in the third quarter. We were on defense. I just ran right back out to the huddle. i told gary henry i'm in you're out here we go (laughs) i mean we you 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 got hit in the head that's all you did there was no such thing as concussions and being concussed but i were
0: and and not a laughing matter but the moral of the story is your longest punt return in history i was unconscious so to speak yes and as it relates to derwin you're in favor of him returning punts
1: in the right situation. If he, I mean, if they're comfortable with him back there, if he proves he can field it well, and if they will. That's instruct a fair way to put it. You're
0: not against the concept. No. If somebody else beats him out and falls kick looks better, that's a different deal. And,
1: and I would not use Derwin on kickoff returns. Right. Kickoff returns way too violent, but punt returns you can control a little bit.
0: He's Keith. I'm Tom. The calendar will read August when we get together again, which means we can talk about actual real life football. Look forward to it. There you go. We'll talk to you next week on Front Row Knowles.